0: Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Dollar. Dollar. Internal. Combustion. Why do we need. No. Petri. Dishy. Oscar. Bain. Isaac. Newton. Transplanting. Do you think near death experience has ever been studied scientifically?
1: I don't know how you would do that. You have <laughs> well, to, like, drop well, an anvil in someone's head listen or something. Listen to this. There was All a right.
0: study, and it's uh, titled Aware. Yeah. A W A R E. Um, I'm trying to find what that's an acronym for, but I'll come back later on. But there's a study actually set up at the University of Southampton initially. Right. And before the main dude, Sampani, he moved to the States. And what they did was, he's an emergency doctor and he thought, well, this is worth investigating a bit further. Mm. So what they did was, it, over a period of about six years, they installed shelves in emergency rooms, places where people are likely to be res- <laughs> resuscitated. So they shelves. put uh, shelves, yeah. Okay. But do you know why they might have put shelves up? The stuff that might fall on the head. Well, what, what, do you, what, do you, what, what stories do you commonly hear when people have out-of-body or near-death experiences? They say experiences? they're looking down at themselves. They float up to the ceiling. Yeah. So what they did was they put some shelves up and put some pictures and objects on the shelves that were not visible from the bed. So what they were looking... On top f- of the shelf. So on top of the shelf. It's, it's, it's Ghostbusters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was one of those things, a little squiggly line in a circle.
0: Well, kind of, Oh, come yeah. on, they should have done that. So basically what they did... That what they did was they okay. Went- wait,
1: wait, wait. Let, let me go to so understand it. So, so you're lying down on a bed facing up, and you can see the bottom of a shelf when you do that. But they're placing images on the top of the shelf, so the only way that you could see them would be to have an out body experience, look down on your asleep body, and also the top side of the shelf. That's absolutely right. Okay, I get it.
0: So they did it. They <coughs> did it at five hospitals in the late noughties. Yeah. Um, How did
1: you get funding for this? i don't know
0: i don't know who funded it but it's obviously interested because it hasn't never been well it used to sound naft, does it (laughs) anyway so they did this study and um 46 people during that time reported stories about ndes so he he, this this guy's quite nde near-death experience experience. okay incidentally is is that
1: different to an out-of-body experience or are are they synonyms
0: uh, I don't think they're synonymous because you can have a near-death experience without feeling like you're outside your body, oh, okay, right. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it I mean, makes can, sense. Like You can near be death. going towards a light or something okay. without floating apart your body. Um, I mean, he's got an interesting idea about death anyway. So death is not a specific moment, he says. It's a process. During a cardiac arrest, all three criteria of death are present. Um, basically, he thinks that cardiac arrest, um, when you, you, um, you don't recover, yeah. is death. Um, but cardiac arrest when you do recover is also kind of a form of death okay so you're saying that the process is dead for things. a long time when your heart stopped yeah basically and basically there's not enough brain activity usually you don't see brain activity during cardiac arrest when there's no blood flow to the brain right so um so some people thinking. suggest well how can you how can you have images and all this complex stuff going on okay i'll come back to that in a second anyway so yeah they recruit they've they got a bunch of people and a couple of people well 40-odd people reported having near-death experiences. So here's an example. So he says, before I was answering that, he said, I can remember vividly an automated voice saying, shock the patient, shock the patient. And with that, up in the corner of the room, there was a woman beckoning me. I can remember thinking to myself, I can't get up there. She beckoned me. I felt she knew me. I felt that I could trust her. And I felt that she was there for a reason. I didn't know what the reason was. The next second, I was up there
2: looking down at me. The nurse... Another man who had a bald head. I couldn't see his face. you could see the back of his body. He was quite a chunky fella. He had blue scrubs on, had a blue hat. He didn't have any
0: hair because of the hat, where the hat was. Anyway, then he came around, basically. So, so hang on a sec. They're not.
1: They, just, they they're they're just putting these experiments just in a, an A&E and waiting for people to have heart attacks and then interviewing them afterwards and saying, do you want to be part of a study? Yeah.
0: Okay. And they just do it over a long period of time. <clears throat> okay. And incidentally, <throat> there's a bunch of shelves up. Yeah. Anyway, um, there was a key limitation. Although a thousand shelves have been set up in key areas in the participating hospitals, as many as seventy-eight percent of the cardiac arrests recorded happened in rooms that were not so equipped. <laughs> They're the control so That dude, that, the control dude who had, yeah, that dude who didn't—he was in a room that didn't have any shelves. Okay. <clears throat> Whether he would have remembered seeing the shelf, it'd have to be something interesting or important. I mean, like something unusual. That's true. If it
1: was just a load like of a like... giant like equipment dildo equipment on there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Something incongruous. Yeah, exactly. That would be slightly What's out of place. That? A frog. Small, a small child in a cage. <laughs> Something that would stick in your mind. Chainsaw. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's exactly what I would do. And they probably had these sorts of discussions. All right. Anyway, the bottom line is, they, is the didn't, they, did, they, couldn't, they couldn't really address it. I mean, a lot of people had these sort of strange experiences. And there's another guy, actually, I came across while researching this, who's actually a neurosurgeon um he's called dr Eben alexander the <laughs> third he sounds american yeah so he he co-authored a book called proof of heaven he's supposed to be a neurologist right. who became convinced in the afterlife through having a near-death experience he had meningococcal e coli in his brain right brain so he infection. Had meningitis basically yeah and um basically he had a near-death experience when he came around and it was quite an unusual situation. Very rare that someone who had that condition should recover right. and get all their function back. So he saw the light, basically. Yeah. He just found it quite funny. He's recounting what he encountered. Go on then, Go on then. I want to hear. Jesus.
2: So these memories began in a primitive, coarse, unresponsive realm. Brackets, the earthworm's eye view, or EEV. So he's <laughs> already got an initialization for it which I was rescued the by a slowly earth spinning ones clear ones. white light associated with a musical remedy that served up as a portal up into rich and ultra real realms. Mm. The Gateway Valley, couple letters, was filmed with many earth-like and spiritual features, vibrant and dynamic plant life with flowers and buds blossoming richly and no signs of death or decay. Waterfalls into sparkling crystal pools, thousands of beings dancing below with great joy and festivity, all fueled by swooping golden orbs in the sky above, Sounds angelic quiet, like emanating chants and anthems that thundered through my awareness, and a lovely girl on a butterfly wing who proved months later to be central to my understanding of the reality of the experience. Wow. Well, that's a load of bollocks, isn't it? A load of bollocks,
1: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a, a pitch of like a Ridley Scott Avatar sequel, doesn't it? That's what, like, Disprove it's. it, Steve. Well, Anyway,
0: so Sax, Oliver Sax had something to say about this. Like He's Oliver a great right, Oliver Sax. The man, Sachs, the man, the the man who wants his wife for a hat. He, he basically says, well, actually, during when you're, re- you, when you're unconscious or you're in a coma, you are in a coma for a long period of time. So you're, yeah. you're not going to be. But when you wake up, your brain starts to regain activity. Right, And that can be many seconds. And you can easily imagine stuff in the time that you're coming sure, out. Dreams. And I if mean, dreams about, would be an argument, well, I, right? Exactly. And right. I always have the most vivid dreams if I wake up and then I go back to sleep. Like, like on a Saturday, yeah, I've had a few drinks on the Friday night. Yeah. I wake up, I'm hungry, yeah. feeling a bit ropey. Go downstairs, have a Bacon. slap at Brekkie. thought, I'll go back to bed. And you know what? Just for comfort, I'll read The Two Towers, Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> Yeah. guaranteed to yeah, have an elf dream it's that sort saying. of thing yeah. okay. and then you drop off and you fall asleep and I always have these mental dreams just you know in the morning anyway the bottom line is we still don't know whether near death experiences exist but it's interesting that people have been trying to put up shelves to find <laughs> out isn't it Steve